Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and Happy New Year. This is Jaikar, and today is January 15th, and my show is Women's Grace, Grit, and Gratitude. And today's topic is Your Soul Medicine as a Woman. So, um, this is one of my favorite topics. Um, and uh, it's one of my favorite topics because it's really both personal and global um, in terms of women um, really understanding, embracing, and engaging their soul medicine. And um, it's the directive for women, and it's the call from the world for women. So I'm going to read the write-up um, that I wrote with this because it gives a good um, kind of um, intro to what I'm going to talk about. Women are gifted with many graces. Not the least is the capacity for an intimate relationship with the medicine of their soul. Within your soul are wisdoms and strengths not available through your mind nor through your emotions. Wisdom and strengths you need for meeting the changes and challenges in your life as a contemporary woman. Life's changes and challenges are many, and meeting them with only your thoughts and emotions will leave you feeling hopeless or helpless about making things better. Learning to respond to life's changes and challenges with the wisdom and strengths of your soul will grace you with the healing and changes you desire. Your soul medicine as a woman is vast and victorious, dependent only upon your commitment to becoming intimate with your soul. When a woman learns how to call upon her soul's guidance and strength for living her life, her relationships will improve as will her happiness and even her health. Mark your calendar and... um, Actually, that's where I'm going to stop. So what I'm basically going to talk about today is this grace that women have of an intimate relationship with the medicine of their soul. Now, one of the things I want to be very clear, and I'm going to say this probably a couple times during the program, I'm talking about women today. It is my calling. It's my passion Um, It's also what my life was clear it wanted me to both learn myself and then share with other women. But this doesn't exclude men. It's just that women's capacity and caliber is much more vast than men's. And it's why women are being called into being the healers, teachers, and leaders for the age that we're in and going into. So... Women are gifted with these graces for being able to create from two cells a human being, nurturing that human being with um, changing their blood into milk, teaching, being the first teacher of that human being, and thus creating and forming and shaping the next generation. Now, even if you choose to, as a woman, um, or have a, you know, the deck of cards you're dealt with, precludes having physical children. The physical children, the way I think of it, because I had three children I wasn't expecting to have. That was not, you know, my priority at the time of my life um, when I was making decisions about, you know, how to craft and kind of uh, focus my life. Physical children for me were, were kind of the practice of understanding my gifts of creativity, of nurturance, of wisdom, of strength, of courage and clarity. So 
women will call upon those graces, whether it's through raising a child, through nurturing a relationship, through caring for themselves and others in their community, their family. Um, and women have these capacities because we also need to, you know, the physical physical example would be raising a child where you're looking at making choices that have implications decades down the road for how this child is formed and creates and, and engages the world. So we have that capacity to understand an action today and 20 years down the road, its consequence. When you make choices with just your mind or your emotions or often your reactions to what your mind um, presents as fact or your emotional response to something, you're always in a reactive state. You're allowing something outside of you to form your choices. One of the things that a soul has as a, a gift and a grace is it has come in to us for this lifetime. It absolutely knows the purpose and the preferences and the destination of this life. And it wants to serve that. It also wants to kind of act as the GPS and also the illumination for our destination and our path. So the soul really has no agenda that is anything other than destiny um, and destination. It wants to serve the lifetime from birth to death. Emotions come and go, thoughts come and go, people come and go. And so we've kind of flipped this. We've been taught to base um, <laughs> base a life on what is temporary and really what our world is um, calling for is learning how to base um, life choices on um, what is infinite, what will be for generations. And women have that capacity because, again, physiologically, biolo biologically, we're crafted um, for doing this for the next to ensure the next generation. But those same skills can be applied to other physical creations as well as um, the um, unphysical creations, the creation of character, the creation of integrity, the creation of compassion. So we are now living in a contemporary life, which is the result. It's been, you know, the kind of what we're living with is is the creation or the result of living from our mind as God, as mind is reality, the thoughts we think. Whereas the soul um, is, as I said earlier, is, is its purpose and its perspective is, is infinity. So you've got one that, you know, We've got a, a very um, kind of backwards, upside down um, belief in our mind. Our mind is really meant to be a tool. And it's meant to be a tool in service of our life and of our soul and spirit. But the reason we got here is because um, generations ago, centuries ago, it was uh, the you know the Western model um, is now formed on the I I think the Sam Descartes um, came up with this and really the Western civilizations were formed on I think the Sam so if if you didn't think it it wasn't so if it wasn't a, a rational logical thought it was there was something wrong with it and so that began to pit man against nature. 
um, nature on this planet being feminine. We call this earth Mother Earth. We call um, the weather the feminine. Um, we talk about the elements as feminine, powerful, dangerous, you know, capricious, and you know, <laughs> um, so we have this this this. This dynamic that pits itself against each other, um, at least from the rational, uh, more masculine, logical um, viewpoint. So if it's not logical, there's something wrong with it. You can't trust it. Um, If it's not rational, the same thing. If you can't control it, be afraid of it. Don't form a relationship or, you know, be on the um, receiving, surrendering end of it. So to really kind of rebalance this polarity of pitting nature against the mind and mind and man against nature man meaning you know um, the western model of the mind is reality the truth i call you know the mind the mind is really many people's god so to kind of balance that out and and resolve this tension and really kind of destructive relationship that man has with nature um, we need to, again, go back into what is it really to be a human being. Well, a human being is right there, even in the word it is. It's the hue. Hue is the light of the soul. So when the word human being was actually constructed, it was in many ways more respectful of what we really are. We're the light of our soul, being. So hue, light of our soul, man, meaning being, um, you know, uh, person, and then being. So being the light of our soul. It's not being the thoughts of our mind. It's not being the reactions and the prejudices of our emotions. It's be the light of our soul. So what helps us with being the light of our soul, being human beings, is to pay attention to what's true in our heart. The heart is an interesting um, uh, part of us. The heart is not the hallmark heart that we've been taught, you know, where it's happy and light and loving and only, you know, uh, <laughs> only good things and this and that. The heart is the meeting place, actually, of the two parts of a human being, the soul and the body, the man part. Um, and the heart literally is in the energy center of a human being, the energy center between um, the etherical energies that human beings are, but also the physical energies that human beings are. It's the meeting place. It's the alchemy. It's the marriage. So human beings, and if you could think of it this way, are the, are the marriage between the spirit and the body, between the physical and the non-physical. So when we begin to honor that both on this planet in the life of a human being are essential to respect, to engage, to learn from, both the physical and the infinite and the spiritual and the, you know, temporary, because we're in a workshop. And women know this better because we, we you know, when we give birth to a human being, many, many forms of, of death and life happen. So there's the death of the virgin, as she bears a child, there's the death that's possible to both her and the child when through the birth process. Um, 
you know, it's 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 women have this intimate both training but also experience and capacity for understanding life and death are just, you know, different sides of the same coin. And so when you give life to something, something else dies. So, you know, and again, this is a concept that we just are in denial and in non-engagement of. When we empower something, when we choose something, when we create something, something else dies. So, um, and part of us is really needing to understand that, but also become much more conscious of that. You know, and and this is an an issue in the environmental um, part of our our world. We haven't been honoring this principle in our environment. So, women's needs and skills for intimacy um, is very well documented. It's documented um, in science. It's documented in all of our experiences. Um, it's documented in um, the studies that are have been and are being done on the brain hemispheres of the differences between women and men. Women have two hemispheres. One hemisphere is for the rational processing. The other hemisphere is for the emotive and communication and spatial, you know, art. Like they often it's the reading, kind of the slang for it is it's one is reading, one is art. A woman, when you engage her and she responds, the studies show of those two hemispheres, they both light up and they and they both communicate. The left and the right hemisphere communicate with each other. This is different than a man's um, experience of being communicated with and responding. A man will have one hemisphere light up and then another hemisphere, but it's not simultaneously and it's not. there's no communication between the hemispheres. So what are the things that, that, now, again, biology is not destiny, meaning this does not in any way mean a man is not capable or have the capacity to have both hemispheres engaged in a, in a response, but it's not innate, it's a, it's a choice, and it um, has to be a priority. Um, and, you know, I really work with women um, a lot, um, who are who are unconscious of their historical rage? I call it historical rage about men. Um, and one of the concepts we work on initially, when we're working on this, is biology is not destiny, meaning that where we we begin is what we came in to learn the most from and to learn through, but it does not mean we cannot pick up and learn and incorporate and engage and embrace and engender um, other qualities and other ways of being. Men can learn to um, be more comfortable with emotions. Women can learn to be more comfortable with being direct. Um, you know, and on and on goes the list. I'm going to talk a little bit more about this historical rage um, in a little bit, but going back to women's intimacy, one of the things that um, in working with women um, and women who are you know challenged in their relationships with men um, is to have women learn that intimacy is an internal process, whereas what we've all been trained, um, and it actually harms women the most because we are very um, powerful. In our interior world is very rich and powerful, but 
women have been taught to look outside of themselves for what is true, for what they should be doing, for for where is their guidance. Um, and, you know, women are often finding themselves in the split. I mean, I, I, I work with a lot of women who feel very split, and finally, you know, that split is causing problems in their marriage, in their health, in their happiness. And what we work on is that's what your friend said, that was what your parents said, that's what the book said, that's what your husband said, wants, whatever, fill in the verbs. Let's close your eyes, let's go through a process where I bring you back inside of yourself and from that place feel, receive, communicate. Because like I said earlier, we come with the soul, we come into a human experience with with our soul loaded <laughs> on board and loaded with everything we need for our lifetime. It has the destination in its programming. It has the lessons and the journey and, you know, the companions. And a lot of life is simply learning, unlearning what we've been taught in this culture of if it's a thought, it's God, it's reality. And going back into our own GPS that knows our purpose, knows our passions, knows our path, the best of anything, and paying attention to that and honoring that and taking action on that. So when women learn to kind of reverse what they've been taught in terms of how do they know what's important to them, how do they engage what's important to them, how do they care for what's important to them, they begin to be intimate with their soul and um, and learn that their power is really in receiving. One of the things that we're also struggling with as a world is we've set the world up through a very, what I call, male-centric framework. Um, male-centric means it's very external. It tends to be an either-or paradigm and dynamic. It's a power over dynamic, so there's somebody on that's more powerful, someone that's less powerful, um, and it's about going out and getting what you want through um, action over others versus the more um, feminine, and this is the, the archetypal feminine, this is, doesn't mean just women, of working with, power with, and receiving um, so as to come into balance with the masculine dynamic of going out and getting. It's it's not about one is right or wrong or one's good or bad. It's it's about the balance. And the balance right now on this planet is out of whack. It's male it's male centric. That's why I call it male centric. It's out of balance. It's too 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 much about a construct, a paradigm, a framework of the male. Um the divine male patterns and archetypal energy, and not enough of the sacred feminine. So learning how to receive, which is the balance to this power over, learning how to receive an answer from your soul, how to to receive what you feel. You walk into that room and you feel good about somebody or you feel like kind of moving away from somebody. Learning how to receive that and knowing what actions to take from it is actually the skill that's hand-in-hand hand with intimacy with your soul. To do that is to learn to trust yourself, 
to take action on what you know and to push back against being reactive and um and and really engage being proactive whenever we or anybody are women men children anybody animals are in reaction mode they're off their center they're now taking what's outside of them as more powerful and not balancing it with what's inside of them so one of the things that also is a very different paradigm for power for women is learning how to have power with what challenges us. So, um, and, and, you know, we've been taught challenges are bad. Something's wrong. What did you do wrong? Your life is telling you something's wrong because you're being challenged. And I had to learn this one the hard way. I, um, I was in my 20s. I was this very, you know, <laughs> very in-demand um, architect. I was a woman, which was rare. And I was really good with working with people, working with groups. And very quickly, I, I became the expert for the firm I worked in to design the most, um, uh, how should I put it, the most difficult spaces, the ones that had the most, had the most going on, operating rooms, recovery rooms, surgical intensive care units, nursing stations for, for critical care. Um, and, um, and and I was on top of the world. Uh, I was all of 24. And then I started getting sick. I got sick. You know, my, I couldn't eat anything without having incredible stomach pain and awful, awful, um, you know, bloody diarrhea. And um, it began to run my life. And then my kidneys got involved. And then I had an ectopic pregnancy, which I almost died from, from hemorrhaging. Well, here I am, 24 years old, and I'm being told, don't expect to have children. That was your good over you burst. Don't, um, you know, you're probably going to have to have kidney transplant or dialysis, you know, in another 10 years. Um, we're going to be taking out parts of your intestine and colon by the end of your decade, 20s. And I was a wreck. I was like, oh, my God, you know, for someone who was called the healthy horse growing up, I've got three chronic conditions that nothing ends well. And when I could come out of my funk <laughs> and say, or so it said. And the reason I got that grace was because I went um, over to India and I was doing some work with um, architects over there creating health centers. And I was gifted with a family who was appalled that I was staying in a hotel. They insisted I come and live with them in their home. So one of the people I was working with in the architectural firm over in India. And, you know, they, my stomach, of course, started acting up, and they asked if I would go to their doctor. And I was like, okay, I'm over here. I have to see somebody. Um, and they took me to um, a little, you know, three-wall with a roof, um, building on the side of a road um, and it had a couple chairs and a little makeshift desk and I was told to sit and somebody would take my pulses and give me some um, herbs and I would come home and make tea from it and they gave me the herbs um, they looked at you know did my pulses looked at my tongue um, you know checked out the tone of my um, skin my eyes and then sent me home with what I called vacuum dust. And 
nasty dough, which then got put into hot water, and I drank it, and it tasted like vacuum dust. But what I learned from talking and reading, and I picked up some books there that had been translated into English, was our bodies are a system of balance, and when they become imbalanced, that's when we have the symptoms of disease. And I was just badly out of balance. And this Ayurvedic art of healing has encompasses not only the physical, it encompasses the emotional, the physiological, the genetic, the family, the relationships, because it's treating the body as a living energy system that is interacting with energy from other people, from the food we eat, from the environment we live in, from how we treat ourselves. And I, you know, being a very scientific-based person as an architect, you know, it's all about the science. Did you, (laughs) the science of how do you get everything you need into an operating room? How do you do it in a way that's safe but also is convenient? It's very scientific to design very intricate um, and uh, sophisticated function rooms. So I liked this concept in the Ayurvedic um, medicine that everything has an impact. Everything affects what's going on. So I went from thinking I am my problems, I am my symptoms, to I am in a conversation with myself about the balance or imbalance of my life. And by engaging my environment more consciously, using food as as medicine, as I say it, and understanding that people and environments do have effect on me, I could begin to make different choices and create different experiences of my body and of my health. So that was where I began to learn to have power with my challenges, meaning I was going to learn from my challenge a much larger concept of health, of my own power, of my own choices. And that's what I needed to learn at time in my life. Because if I had continued down the Western model, I would have you know, resigned myself to being infertile. I would have probably agreed to do surgery in my late 20s, et cetera, et cetera. And I wouldn't, you know, and I wouldn't be changing anything I was doing, thinking, saying, seeing, feeling to make the symptoms different. So it was both learning to have power with my challenge and also that the challenge came to course correct where I was going. It was a course correction. So this is where I say I I work with people, I work with women, I work with couples, not because I have a <laughs> um, mental philosophy. I've come to all this learning and understanding about how powerful women are, about how much soul medicine is within each of us through my own life's path. The path, not so much what I carved out, but the path that came to me through challenges and through course corrections. And uh, I learned very much that if I heard somebody say this is true and my body would, you know, would kind of start buzzing and going, no, I learned to be curious about what was going on within me, not to dismiss what I was hearing, but also not, and not to immediately engage what I was feeling. It was, again, there's a dialogue here. There's a conversation here between these two 
experiences, my experience and what's coming from outside of me as a voice of truth. The soul will always mediate those dialogues. It will always mediate the conflicts. But it's it's learning to go within, learning to trust yourself. And again, this is all about how did I come to this? I came to it through challenges, through crises, through pain, through conflict. And I reached out. I reached out and found wonderful women to help me and guide me and help me heal and to challenge me. And it's really what the times are about. It's that we're not to be only with our thoughts and only with our pain and only with our emotional reactions. And I share this not because I, again, am intellectually um, attached or prejudiced or, you know, have this um, belief. It's because my life has taught me when, when in pain, reach out, which is different, right, than we've been taught when in pain, pull back or take or, or suppress the pain. So if you're in pain, you're trying to birth something. And if you're in pain, like all birthing women know, have a doula, have a midwife, have your friends. You can't expect that of yourself, to give birth by yourself, to transform something by yourself. That's why I offer a free hour introductory initial session. Just go to my website, www.jaikaur.com. Go to the contact tab. On there is a way for you to set up a free consultation, initiation, initial introductory session. It will require you to fill out a private, secure online form, which gets sent to me. And um, by push, clicking on the send button at the bottom of the questionnaire, and I will get back to you and we'll set up a phone consultation, initiation, um, introductory session. So blog talk's telling me my half hour's up, and I wish you well. And um, just as we begin this new year with its promise and its reminder that all is a wonder, Ask yourself where it is in your life you've just accepted less or more pain or more disappointment and ask yourself, isn't it time? Isn't it time to maybe be happier, be more trusting of yourself, more passionate about your life? And contact me. Take care. I'll see you next next radio show. Bye.